Hi, I'm Justin King, and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Welcome back to Blue Chip Academy. I'm your host, Justin King. Um, today we'll be talking about the current state of college football in the fourth episode. Just a recap of the last episode, we kind of went through the process of getting your first offer, the mindset in which you want to approach the recruiting process, going through the camp circuit and how to build relationships through the camp circuit and performing and last but not least, performing on the field and the film and that progression and kind of what you want to look for and, you know, or what recruiters and evaluators are looking for at a Power 5 school in each um, grade. But along with that, you know, when you're going through that process, when you get to college, you know, a lot of things are shifting uh, right now, you know, since the pandemic happened and new NIL rules, a lot of things are resetting in college football per se, right? There's been probably over the last 15 years a big change in the way people have viewed college sports when you talk about the media rights deals and the college football playoffs. And you can kind of see like a shift happening, right? And understanding, you know, going through the recruiting process, there's some keys and some points when you're picking schools that are just on the table to be um, contemplated or evaluated moving forward. Uh, you see the conference decisions last year during the pandemic to play versus not to play, uh, where you got the SEC taking full advantage of the other conferences not playing. And we still kind of see the cause and effect of that and how that affected recruiting, right? When you talk about going to school and how the overall university may view a situation, you, you could tell that the SEC and their leadership and administration were all in on football. Uh, at one point, the Big Ten, we know, canceled the season, but you know, along with pressure and getting recruits and operating a business with the other competitors that are in different conferences, governed by different, uh, you know, different conferences, they were operating different. So at that point, we just started to see (laughs) the uniformity in college sports start start to break, right? Like we just saw that in just how different parts of the country were moving, right? We always talk about, um, we always use different uh, comparisons of the different conferences, but we could really show, you know, how they viewed football in like during the pandemic, whether the Pac-12 didn't play as many games as the SEC or Big Ten and and the Big 12 and so on and so forth. But now we see that we're moving into a situation where it's going to be probably major uh, super conferences, right? Well, SEC, Big Ten, maybe the Big 12. Uh, see with the SEC, we're joining, um, having Oklahoma 
and Texas join. Things like that, just to keep your uh, your mental on the right things when you're choosing your college decision and moving forward. So today in this episode, we'll just dive in to some of the main things that are happening in the current state of college football, and maybe how you want to use that to your advantage moving forward. So the first thing that everyone, you know, is kind of excited about is NIL. You know, players are able to make money off their name, image, and likeness. And, you know, it, it gets... Uh, it's not even a sticky, it's not a sticky topic at all. Actually, it's um, it's something that's pretty, it's kind of laid to the table, but it's something that players and universities should lean into. Uh, it's something that, you know, they've been benefiting off for long, like a long time through many years of amateurism and sports. And this is just a situation where it's a player's opportunity to see like what ecosystem they're going into and like, Who's leaning into the new rules? Who's leaning into the new uh, the new wave of college sports? And it's not about the school um, providing deals because they're not allowed to do that by rules, but it's more of providing services to help their athletes navigate these new um, these new variables that kind of entered um, the college space. So in the NIL, you know, the policy provides. The following guidance to, you know, college athletes, recruits, and their families and members of whatever school. Um, individuals can engage in NIL activities that are consistent with the law and the state or where they're located. So each state can kind of operate differently, right? So, like, if you're going to SEC, there might be looser laws in the south and there are up north versus the west coast or wherever, wherever that is. So, like, making sure that you understand like where your schools fit in the laws that, you know, you can capitalize on, you know, some schools in the in Southern States, you know, they don't have any bans or anything against tobacco or alcohol I mean, up North in Pennsylvania. These are things that you have to understand and moving forward, right? Like what ecosystem and like you're going to dive into when you're making your selection and going through this. Um, I would like to call it a prospecting phase when you're getting recruited. Like I like to, Put them on the magnifying glass. You know, you make sure you handle your business on the field, but like you're going through and learning about the next level that you're entering into to set up yourself and then stack the deck for you to win because, you know, it's a highly competitive uh, situation and you want to be in the right fit in this whole thing. And that's kind of, you know, how you get to that, you know, blue chip uh, plan and process. College athletes who attend a school in a state without an NIL law can engage in this type of activity without violating NCAA rules related to name, image, and likeness. So, like, when I say that, the state laws kind of dictate, like I said earlier, where, you know, you type of deals you can do with, like, tobacco and companies of that, of that nature. And the biggest thing with the NIL is the opportunities is it comes in groups when you're talking in college, right? When you talk about you go to a college football game, you see like where the monetization points are like through the ecosystem. You see people buying jerseys. You see people buying uh, memorabilia for their kids, balls, uh, knickknacks, whatever, whatever the case may be. And everyone, everyone's talking about the deals and the, the brand deals that you can do um, on the internet. But you know, that's, those are there and those are, you know, I can't say far a few in between, but it's not, Anything that you should focus on, you should focus on, you know, continue to focus on your craft on the field. And there's a lot of opportunities to make money in the NIL space, right? Like when you're talking about group licensing, 
um, that can profit off of it. You're talking like these ecosystems that you can choose to go into where there's already shown uh, support, right? Like when you talk about the University of Texas and their offensive linemen um, did a charitable deal where every offensive lineman receives $50,000 from being on scholarship. I mean, outside of their thing. So essentially being paid. So like you can kind of, you know, Mark UT is a school that has alumni that will kind of lean into this situation. And those are the type of things that you can leverage and build business connections and relationships when you get done playing uh, sport. That's kind of LIG's, you know, product in that space is the Blue White Collective, where it's pretty much an overarching brand for Penn State athletes. And the first, you know, group would be Lockdown U, which is the Penn State defensive backs, and providing, you know, media services, merchandise, uh, operation aspect, and creating a legacy brands to where guys that come into the school can continue to be a part of Lockdown U when they go into the NFL, do camps afterwards, uh, connect with alumni that don't go to the NFL, but go into um, whether it's Wall Street or football operations or coaching or administration and all these different things and kind of create uh, like a silo or um, a legacy brand, a legacy brand or a legacy fraternity that they can benefit off of from their name, image, and likeness. So that's kind of one of the things or the the solutions that LIG kind of saw fit into this into this piece of the ecosystem. And that's why it's one of our services where it's football ops strategy is just kind of broad because it's a lot of intertwined pieces where you're kind of creating you're creating a brand off of different off of different people that fit in a hyper local ecosystem, right? Like Penn State's ecosystem is completely different than USC's, which is completely different than LSU's. So like in college sports, I kind of see that as the route that the NIL things are taking, like as a hyper local approach, right? Because it's all different. And like going to schools and picking and going through the recruiting process, that's something that you need to be mindful of. You know, like if you have opportunities and you're a big time player, up north, you know, I understand, you know, all the opportunities all over the country, but, you know, your local recognition goes much further than, you know, introducing to uh, a new fan base or whatever the case may be. Not to say that it can't be done. Like, I definitely believe wherever uh, Michael Parsons went to school, if he would have went to Miami or Florida or uh, USC or Timbuktu, he was going to be Michael Parsons. But I think there's something a little special about the local central Pennsylvania kid turning out the way he did or the way he is and being central Pennsylvania coming to Penn state. Cause like, that's something that is going to live there for like the next 50 to 60 years. Everyone's going to remember the mark that he made and continue to go the same way that you see with linebacker. You, it's just like, it's a different, a different form. So like the guys getting into the revenue stream of these ecosystems is the key. I know everyone uh, talks about, you know, their personal brands and yeah, some people can do that, right? Like depending on individual sports, your marketability, I'm, I'm all for it. But just in the collective, when you're going into it, you just want to see from a macro perspective, like how these different college ecosystems operate like which ones move with you know big time donors which ones are all in have the you know like Penn State has the highest um, paying dues uh, alumni 
association, you know, paying dues or active alumni. So like understanding where those things come, because like those, all those things are, which you can leverage after, you know, you get done playing a sport. Um, so that's like, that's just kind of my take on the whole NIL and where everything is going at this standpoint, because, you know, it's, it's pretty cool seeing guys signing deals and making money. And there's like added pressure that comes with it. Like you are entering into a free market. So the thing that comes along with it is don't get your feelings hurt when maybe deals don't come your way and they might go to a team, a teammates, uh, side. This is like the time where it's even more imperative to focus on your craft, making sure that when there's different things or ancillary, um, things that may come up that you have, um, trusted, service providers or people that you can trust to kind of help you navigate the college ecosystem at college football, you know, ecosystem or like the, in, the NCAA and everything. Right. Cause at this point I got feel college football players and athletes in general, like, you know, there's a level of going through where you have to have a team, like a solo, you know, like a tennis star or a golf or a golf player, right? Like where you're just, you have a team handling the things, whether it's your marketing, your branding, and, you know, your player development. Obviously the team, like the football team handles those things, but like in the time now where, you know, you're a business entity, like the, the schools are going to be worried about the schools. So just make sure you're taking care of your business you know, and protecting your brand. And that's not jumping into every situation that may come up or every dollar that uh, arises. But if it, you know, marries up into your, your criteria of, you know, helping build your brand, put some money in your pocket and some connect with uh, stakeholders for, you know, your, your career after football and lean into it. And it should bring, like I said, it should bring even more, um, motivation to ball out on the field and focus on your craft because like those are the things that resonate with brands. Those are the things that resonate with people that want to support you, right? So from there, you know, we that's like the major thing that everyone's talking about in, you know, the space of college football. But the transfer portal was another thing, which would be the second thing that I want to dive into is uh changing the way college sports is operating and it, cause it relates to recruiting because I mean, anecdotally speaking, you know, just talking to recruits and other recruiting coordinators, you get a sense that, you know, a lot of them are diving into the transfer portal to get, whether it's older players, you know, the pandemic has changed uh, a lot of things in this, um, these past couple of years where, you know, teams have approached their roster management in a different way. And so sometimes there have been some mid-tier high school guys that maybe have been overlooked by certain schools because teams are looking to uh, get older guys or fill holes in spots and not, not to say that not developing, but filling holes in spots and treating it like free agency. So like I hear a lot of players, you know, going into, you know, hearing about the transfer portal and not almost like taking off, taking off the importance of selecting a school to be to begin with, because hey, I got I still have a, I mean I still got a chance to get in the transfer portal, and that's just something I want to warn against is like a false sense of security. Like when you're selecting a school, thinking that oh the transfer portal is just going to be there for me. It's buyer beware, buyer beware. You know what I mean? Because like you have to understand 
your skill set, where you fit and, you know, where you need to go. It's a lifeline, not a bargaining chip, right? Like if you feel like you can go somewhere else and play, it works out for certain guys, right? Justin Fields, he was, you know, yeah, he was great coming out of high school. So like for him to transfer, don't always, you know, base your decision uh, on, you know, how it looks for other people. You know, Jamison Williams is a, another example of something that it worked out, but it's again, that's a, a player that came out of high school that was elite then. Um, <laughs> very rare that you go from, you know, fourth or fifth receiver at Ohio state to Belenikoff and I mean, Belenikoff finalist and, uh, top receiver at Alabama the next year. But a lot of those stories that you hear, um, I think are translating to some guys going through the process like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just hopping in the transfer portal. And it's just, you know, be careful because like we talked about in the last episode, going through the process, it's a relationship building process. And again, the, you know, college football is a business and you want to have people that have your best interest at heart, not only just, you know, what you provide to the field, but like have an emotional and relational re- like connection with you. Like that's what, that's what I've seen uh, where players thrive, right? When they believe like the coaches believe and there's a mutual respect between each other. There's not like a stripping of identity to like, you know, not too much so to fit in, but it's like people being in their natural selves and like performing in that space. And that's what I think athletes sometimes, you know, disregard. It's like, well, I'll just tough it out or it's just this, it's just that. I'll just go here. And it's like, I mean, there's sometimes you do need to you just stay at your school and tough it out and, and ride through it. You know what I mean? Because, you know, to, to, tra- to enter the transfer portal, you have to be very understanding of your career, your skills, like, and where you're going. Like I've seen, you know, some horror stories where guys jump in the transfer portal and nobody bites. Right. Like, and then you're like, now you're trying to figure out your next move. And I'm just saying that to say, looking at the transfer portal and going through the recruiting process, it should make you go through the recruiting process with that much more uh, detail and, you know, guardrails to make sure that you're selecting the right school. Because when free agency is happening, you know, you can pluck holes if you're not developing and this your sophomore year and you're stuck at school two years. And it's like, you think, oh, I'm, I'm about to jump in here because the sophomore, I mean, the junior or senior is about to leave and I'm next. It's like, I mean, possibly, but you know, they can go out and find someone else. So that's why, again, the transfer portal just kind of, to me, should like help guys focus on their craft and understanding what they need to do. Although it's an option, it's just, it's another step that's moving closer and closer to, you know, that hybrid professional free agency look, right? You add NIL with being able to make money, having market value with guys, the money being associated with some players. Now guys can leave, you know, players are, you know, selecting um, schools, coaches are selecting people for, you know, whatever the reason may be, obviously great players, but you just need to be aware of where you fit and attack it as such. Right. And so the NIL kind of leads into, you know, the Austin Scott case, Olston Scott case, um, which was, uh, he just won a case, you know, against the NCAA. When you talk about educational, um, benefits, uh, and it was, it was a uh, pretty interesting because a lot of people aren't talking about, we just keep talking about, um, 
you know, the NIL and how that affects. But I think, you know, the Austin case versus NCAA was something that, you know, should be looked at when you're not negotiating with schools, but when you're trying to figure out where you fit, like what schools are providing for you to kind of get the best thing out of your college experience. So like the Austin case kind of came out to mean that the United States Supreme Court case was concerning the compensation of college athletes within a national, you know, NCAA. It followed from a previous case, the O'Bannon versus NCAA, which found that the NCAA was profiting from the namesake and likeness of college athletes. The case was dealt with NCAA restrictions, providing college athletes with non-cash compensation for academic related purposes, such as computers, internships, which the NCAA maintained was to prevent the appearance that student athletes were being paid or treated like professional athletes. So we're going like, you know, they're going to make sure that that is still the case, right? Like no matter what happens, but you know, recently Ole Miss threw a curveball into the whole situation when they elected to take the revenue from a football season ticket sales totaling about, you know, $2.5 million and distributing to all the student athletes, not just the football players, all the student athletes. This means each, you know, Academically eligible student athlete will receive about six thousand dollars, I think, per semester, uh, based on that, you know, academic benefit coming from the Austin Scott case. So, like, when you're evaluating schools, like, that's another aspect that you need to be aware of. It's like, what are the, um, you know, what are the academic benefits that are provided here for me, right? Like the the rose-colored glasses are being removed and there's value placed on four- and five-star players coming to high school. We see that they, like, when you sign a four- or five-star guy, it translates to wins. Like, there's value with those wins, right? Like, so going through that, understanding what different schools are willing to offer, it kind of gives you a case of, all right, I'm playing this sport here. Like, how is this university going to support me playing this sport? Because, like, at the end of the day, this is all about making a 40 year decision and not just a fly by night, get into college and figure it out and go for the ride type of situation. So even when we talk about, you know, four or five star recruits, there was always, always had this article that I always, you know, I always share with different coaches when we talked about, uh, you know, the players values in, in college and how important recruiting is and talent evaluation But, you know, coming out of high school before, you know, the value that was placed on recruits was simply from 247 ESPN. And, you know, it's like kind of arbitrary sometimes, you know, sometimes a reporter might be upset with a player, might, you know, have an emotional eval, not like the player so much. But, you know, according to a study um, by Trevor Logan, who's a professor at uh, Ohio State who teaches economics, came up and found that a five-star player is worth 600, roughly $650,000 to a university. Um, basically by all the different things, right? Like a, a player comes, wins come, they go to bowl games, you know, different brand deals. So the, uh, the National Bureau of Economic Research, the NBER, like they came up with a, re, uh, a study that found that $74,000 was increased to athletic giving, <laughs> based on uh, a one-win increase per season. So I guess, like, just to put it in simple terms, like, one win would, you know, translate to one person um, donating about $75,000. So, like, when, you know, administrators are out and, you know, promoting the 
athletic department and things like that, the product still has to be good. And that's when these four and five star players uh, come in to the mix. And, you know, another another little tidbit was, you know, it was like every win accounted for 104 additional applications for the admission. And that's, you know, that, that goes to the student body and to the school's reputation and how many uh, students are applying versus admit being admitted. And these are all different strings that, you know, like money that players are coming into the school with, like, or not, I can't can't say that they're coming into the school with, but the value that they're bringing into the school. And like, this isn't for everybody, right? Like everyone's not a four or five star recruit and you have to be aware of that. But if you are, you have to know that the, what's your value that you're bringing to the school. And with that, how to navigate what's best for you, right? Like, Hopefully I'm not losing too many people, you know what I mean? But, you know, four-star guys, they were worth significantly less, right? $350,000, and three-star recruits were found to be worth around $150,000. So it's like we see signing day, and it's like, oh, look at these high school guys putting on a hat, and, you know, everyone, like, what's a big deal? They're just going to school, you know, and then you see, you know, I saw, I mean, it's great. Everyone goes to school. I love the reveals of everyone, um, putting on a thing to show that it's just not athletes that get to go to school. And that's, that's amazing. But the fact of the matter is the reason why, you know, these uh, signing days were so big to begin with is because these athletes were bringing a certain monetary value to the university and, you know, abstract ways that sometimes weren't tracked, but at the end of the day, you know, it was given a great scholarship and a chance to, play professional sports or, you know, have a great career with a powerful degree. Conversely, don't go, I'm not saying go into this thing with your chest poked out. And if you're not very good and just saying you need to ask for everything and every lever that's changing in college sports is for you because that's not the case. Uh, two, two star athletes were actually deemed to be a detriment to the financial outlook of programs like causing reducing revenue by 13,000. Uh, dollars. So, you know, like not that that's bad, but you start to see why sometimes, you know, you always in the talent evaluation, talent evaluation area in college, you know, you got guys, um, you hear about stories of guys being pushed out to continue to upgrade the roster. I'm saying all these things. I mean, some of them are hard truths, but the reality is like, you know, going into college sports is a business. We see it with the, with the coaching moves and, um, coaching salaries and just, again, the different changes that are happening in college sports. And it's a great thing. You just don't be taken by storm or uh, go into it without having a plan. And like, that's, that's like the strongest piece to this whole, you know, blue chip Academy and going through the football ecosystem is that there's a lot of dips and turns and curveballs and things that can get you, off off kilter and worrying about the next thing if you're not focused on it, you know, the right way. Because there's another, you know, sprinkle that's happening um in the college, I mean in the football, in the football space, and that's spring football leagues. I would account that to be a part of the college football, uh the current state of college football. Because at the end of the day, the main source for talent for the NFL is college sports. And so when these other leagues come in, yeah, they're going to get some off the street free agents. But at the end of the day, they're going to start targeting college athletes. You know what I mean? College isn't for everyone to play 
at Power Five University, there's a lot of responsibilities. There's a lot of uh, things that you have to do, administrate, go to study hall, do this, do X, Y, Z. Not to say that playing professional football isn't, but it's more clear line of, hey, you're coming to play to do X, Y, and Z. So with the XFL and USFL coming out in, in that space and starting to, you know, look at um, the players and elite players coming up in that area, it's, it's also good to be true to yourself and recognize if maybe, I mean, I love football and different things and like success, success looks different for everybody. Like if one of the spring football leagues is something for you um, moving forward, like, and not to say that that's something that you want to lean into, but you know, obviously you want to see none of them have ever worked before. And I worked at the previous XFL and we had, you know, a lot of successes of helping people fulfill their dreams, right? Like there's a situation spoke about in, I think episode one where um, Kenny Robinson uh, had a situation at West Virginia and the XFL was a great route for him to earn money in the meantime before he got to the NFL or and help his draft stock on his way to the NFL, leaving as a sophomore next year playing professional football. But before that would have probably played for free, played professional football, got a year under his belt and now is playing for the Carolina Panthers. So like seeing those different avenues of where spring football also fits, that's something that parents and athletes need to be honest with themselves about. And if that's a, a, a path that maybe needs to be looked at, you know, you see it a lot from um, like Juco, Juco players or younger players at school that maybe, they find out that school's not for them. I think the best thing about being on offense is just being honest with yourself. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was pretty much the main takeaways of kind of what's happening in my viewpoint in the current state of college football, you know, just starting with the you know NIL and just understanding your name, image, and likeness. Protect your brand. Protect your brand as you go. Go along, understand your value, understand the monetization points of where you can make money and how to, Navigate that. Lean into having services because you want to focus on, you know, putting the product on the field, your craft, and doing what you need to do. So if you enter into that space, obviously things come. Have a team around you. Um, next is the transfer portal. Understand how the transfer portal works and where it where it fits in the recruiting system, and seeing which coaches are using it or active in the uh, in the portal. Right? It's like picking it, I mean, I can't say it's like picking an NFL team, but if there's a team that's actively um, going into the transfer portal to fill every hole, you know, be aware of that. Be aware of the coaches that, you know, kind of use it. Not against it, but it's just, again, it's a lifeline, not really a bargaining chip. Um, But just understanding that that's a moving piece that's changing how things are moving in uh, the college space. In the Austin Scott case, understanding which universities um, are giving out different educational benefits and what you're uh, able to receive, right? We'll start talking about different things with the letter, letter, letter of intent and how to, you know, make sure that you're putting the things in there, whether it's uh, your media rights and um, using the marks from the school, uh, having the school pay you for your disability and all those different things. Everything that I'm going into about the value of the player and what they go and how they affect the school. These are different things that also, you know, touch into that letter of intent in the whole college space. 
So my, you know, challenge to you is to continue to move forward, work on your craft, hone into your skills and, you know, look at this thing like a business and maximize where you're at, you know, maximize what you're going into. Everybody has a different journey. Keep sharpening. Remember, you can only go to one school. Just make sure you have a blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good. Class is dismissed. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Blue Chip Academy. To help navigate the recruiting waters, LIG Sports Group put together a Blue Chip Recruiting Checklist. Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops Recruiting YouTube channel where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash Blue Chip Academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.